This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. By the way, if you have a Bible, you can go to the book of Romans. Go to the book of Romans. But I just want to say thank you for faithfully praying for the Los Angeles Lakers. Our prayers have been answered. We got the number two pick, and we're going into the Shekinah glory, and we're about to win an NBA championship next year. Can I get a witness in the church? All the Laker fans said amen. Romans, go to Romans chapter 5, verse number 6. Romans chapter 5, verse number 6. I want to start. Today, and I want to begin uh, on this beautiful last Sunday of June, beautiful Sunday at Zoe Church. I want to begin a new series today called The Face of Grace. And we believe at Zoe that grace is not just a principle, but grace is a person. And that person has a name. His name is Jesus. And he is the face of grace. He is the he is the person of grace. He has grace. He is grace. He lives grace. He gives grace. And at this church, I just want to tell you that we are convinced that none of our efforts have brought us to this place, but it's grace that has grown our lives, grown our business, is growing our families. Come on, anybody believe today in the power of grace at work in your life? Seven people believe this. This is encouraging. Come on, anybody believe in grace today? We read it a couple weeks ago. By the grace of God, I am who I am. Let me just say that to you today. By the grace of God, you are who you are. By the grace of God, you're here today. Some of you should be dead. Some of you already could have destroyed your life. Some of you, maybe you've made some blunders and some mistakes and you never thought. I was with someone in the back right before service, Chase, and the service was getting started and the pre-service uh, video is playing. You know, 50% of you didn't see it because you come to church late. I'm judging you. But, um, but this video is playing and it's rolling in and, and Chase looked at me this morning. He goes, man, I never thought I'd be excited about going to church. That's grace. Grace found him. Grace saved him. I just want to say to you that grace has grown, Zoe Church. We're almost two years old, August 23rd, and grace has built this thing. It's not been the efforts of man. It's not been the brilliance of a team. It's not by any worship leader or any preacher or anybody that's in our staff. No, I'm telling you, grace has grown this church. And I want to start our church off by just saying we are a grace-centered church because we're a Jesus-centered church. Grace is the embodiment of who he is. Grace is going to found this thing, build this thing, sustain this thing, empower this thing, resource this thing. I'm already preaching right now. It's just the intro. Come on. Anybody excited about grace in your life? Come on. We can be louder than that. You already had two cups of coffee. I want to preach today about the power of grace, the face of grace. His name is Jesus. And if I'm being honest, um, we really need to look at grace appropriately. We've got to see grace for not just who he is, but also what this means, what it brings to our soul and our life. I want to read together out of the book of Romans. Now give you context. Paul, the apostle, has been radically saved and transformed by grace. He was once at a time in his life a Christian killer. God radically saves him out of darkness, brings him into light. He gets saved. He begins to be transformed by grace. Because grace will never just leave you at the altar. Grace will keep building your life. And uh, he's radically changed, and he starts being a church builder. He starts encouraging and strengthening churches. He's writing this letter to 
Rome to these Italians. He's writing to them from Corinth. Now, Corinth, historically in this setting, Corinth is a place where a lot of idolatry is happening. There's a lot of sexual immorality. There is a lot of sin that's rampant in the air. He's writing from a context that could be similar to Los Angeles, a metropolitan city with much at stake, much at large, a lot happening. He's writing, feeling these things to Rome. And to be honest, the book of Romans, above any book in the Bible, gives us our theology on who Jesus is and therefore who we are. Romans is going to really lay out what grace is. It's going to paint the law, but it's also going to paint grace. And the contrast that we now face, because we've been liberated or set free from the law, and we are now, we're not a law church anymore, we're now a grace church. We're not a law people anymore, we're now a grace people. I want to read together here what Paul is saying. He's laid out quite a case in Romans 1, 2, and 3. He's been going on this thought, on this journey of who we've been and what we're going to become. Let's read together here. And he arrives here in Romans chapter 5. He says this in his dissertation. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only this is so, but also we boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also now received reconciliation. Now I want to jump from verse, uh, verse 11 down to verse, let's go to verse 20. It says this, it says, The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, come on church, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also... Grace might reign through the righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. Come on, anybody excited? Come on, that grace increased. Come on, even sin was abounding, but grace went even further and got a hold of our life. Come on, you can put your hands together if you're grateful even for the reading that we've been justified, made righteous, and grace is abounding in our life. I want to preach a message. You can write down the title. It's called Grace Stood Trial. Grace Stood Trial. And uh, I always repeat the title. You notice how I never just say it one time. I don't know why. It's just a bad habit. But um, Grace Stood Trial. And I want to pray. I want to believe that wherever you are on the faith journey, whether this is your first time to church or whether you've grown up in church your whole life, that something will be relevant for your life. You know, I believe that what happens here on Sunday, we can apply together on Monday. I believe that what God does in this house, you can take home and do at your house. I believe that there's something that God's going to give you a handle a thought, a truth, a principle that you're going to be able to walk out these doors with your head high, feeling like God is for me, who can be against me. I believe that after today, you're going to walk out. You're going to be excited about the week to come. God's going to give you divine appointments, divine opportunities. Come on, if you're married, you got to get some faith for it. If you got kids, you got to get some faith for it. If you're single, we're not picking on you, but we just saying you got to get some faith for it. 
Come on, let's pray and let's believe together. Jesus, we thank you so much for the inerrancy of your scripture. God, the, the infallibility of your word. Thank you that it is, it's incorruptible. Thank you that the grass could wither and the flower could fade, but your word will last forever. We will build this church on it. We'll build our lives on it. We ask this morning, open up our eyes so we can see Jesus. Open up our ears so we can hear the Holy Spirit. Do something unique and profound. We love you more than life itself. And God, we pray that the Dodgers will keep on winning baseball games. In Jesus' name, and we all said together, come on, put your hands together for Los Doyers. Did I say it right? The Doyers? Amen. They're winning games right now, okay? Um, by show of hands, if you are, I, I, this is my favorite thing to do on vacation. If you are, you love to read books, let me just see your hand. If you're a reader, there's only like 17 of us left. Come on. But, but I love, I'm not really like, in the course of everyday life, I get a lot of my reading in on my phone. But when I go on vacation, like we get, you know, away to Palm Springs or something, there ain't nothing better than reading a good book. I don't know about you, but I like having one of those books where it's like, read a chapter, jump in the pool. Read a chapter, jump in the pool. Read a chapter, oh, let's read another chapter, jump in the pool. For those of you that don't understand what I'm saying, this is what we did before Netflix, okay? Before Netflix came out and you just watched another episode, you would read another chapter. I grew up reading this one author, I don't know if you ever heard of him, but my favorite, all-time favorite author besides the Bible, because I got to say that because I'm a Christian. But um, besides the Bible, I used to love, and I still do, I love reading this guy named John Grisham. Anybody here of John Grisham books? I've read to this day, uh, actually the last two I haven't read, but I've read every John Grisham book. Now, I don't know what it was. I was driving with my parents, going on vacation, and my dad, I was 15, 16 years old, he flips me back. Like, this is back in the day when, when remember the movie The Firm? That was, that was a book, okay? So the Pelican Brief, that was a book, okay? The Client, that was a book. So, so all these books, like my dad started feeding me these John Grisham books when I was in high school. And my whole life since, I just, I, got, I started to devour John Grisham books. And what I love about John Grisham books is John Grisham used to be a lawyer, but then he turned author. So all of his books have to do with the courtroom. All of his books have to do some story, some murder, some trial, something happened, but it will always end up where where it's going to be about the judicial system. And I learned most of what I know about courtroom from reading John Grisham books. I don't know about you, but I'm fascinated with attorneys and prosecutors and plaintiffs and juries and judges and just the whole scene. I know Netflix people, this is what OJ did and that's what we watched there. So, but, but, but I love the whole thing. Now, personally, I've only been to court one time. I've only had to go to court one time. I've never had jury duty, praise God, knock on wood. But, um, I've only been to court one time. In fact, this is uh, years ago, like in the early 2000s, I had to go to court in Baldwin Park. So I was, in, I was, I was living in uh, uh, San Dimas. I had to go for a, a, a traffic violation. It's my only time I've walked into a courtroom and sat there. I was so afraid to stand in front of the judge. Like I was like, I started thinking of bad things that I did that I was wondering if he knew about. Like I've got my little slip of speeding. I want to, you know, dispute this thing. And because the, the officer told me I could, but I was feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm going to, I'm going to stand in front of the judge. I've got to plead my case. I've got to represent myself. I've got to tell the judge what I've done. I, I was, I was so nervous to go to court. I want to preach this morning about the book of Romans really allowing us to see the picture of God the Father acquitting us, 
pardoning our sins because of the life and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Come on, anybody thankful today that grace stood trial for you? Come on, stood in the gap, took the penalty and the punishment. Come on, anybody thankful for Jesus today? Come on, the Bible says that he made him who knew no sin and grace stood trial for us so that we can be pardoned of our sins. Now, I love what the Bible's saying here. Watch what it says here in Romans chapter 5, the first verse that we read. It says, at the perfect time, at just the right time, grace stood in. I just want to tell you, you can write down a few things. I want to give you five thoughts out of this morning's message. And here's the first thought I want to give you today, that grace shows up at just the right time. Grace showed up at the right time then, and I'm going to preach to you today. Grace will show up at the right time for you today. Grace has an ability to have perfect timing. We say it this way. God is never too early and he's never too late. He is an on-time God. You might not be able to show up at church on time, but Jesus does. Shots fired. But, um, but, but <laughs> we start the service. I'm like, are the people not coming today? <laughs> Y'all just mad late, L.A. people. But, but, but grace shows up on time. Can you think about this? That all these years, the prophets had been telling about the coming. Isaiah talked about it, and Malachi talked about it, and Joel talked, all the prophets, and years and years and years. But at just the right time, God raised up, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have what? everlasting life. Can you believe that Jesus, he came at just the right time? He came at just the right time then, and he'll come just at the right time now. All throughout the scriptures and the gospels, Jesus showed up for people at just the right time. He showed up at just the right time for Lazarus after he had been dead for just a couple days. He showed up at just the right time, even for Jairus, who had a sick daughter. He showed up at just the right time at that wedding in Cana, where he did his first miracle and turned water into wine. He showed up at just the right time for the woman at the well. He showed up at just the right time for the woman caught in adultery. He showed up at just the right time for the woman with the issue of blood. He showed up at just the right time with the man with the withered hand. He showed up at just the right time for the man that was lowered in. Come on, anybody believe today that grace showed up at the right time then? Come on, church. He's going to show up at just the right time even today. Grace has an ability to show up in your life at just the right time. Religion says you need to go to God, but grace says I'll come to you. And grace has an ability to show up. Uh, please hear me. This is a frustrating scripture to many. But the Bible says that a day to God is like a thousand years. And a thousand years to God is like a day. God's timing is different than your timing. God's timetable is different than your timetable. Don't ever look to yourself to try and put God in a box to say, God, you need to operate within these hours. No, I believe that grace will show up at just the right time. He'll show up at just the right time for your situation. He'll show up at just the right time for your breakthrough. He'll show up at just the right time for your medical report. He'll show up at just the right time in your bank account. He'll show up at just the right time for your open doors. He'll show up at just the right time for your promotion. Come on, am I preaching to anybody that has found God to be an on God. He's not late. Come on. Sometimes God shows up a little bit later than you wanted to preserve you. Some of you want the promotion, but you don't have the character to sustain the promotion. 
God has kept you from the thing that could destroy you. God knows. Grace shows up. At, it says at just the right time, Jesus showed up at the scene. I'm preaching to you right now. At just the right time, God's going to show himself to be faithful and true. At just the right time, God's going to do that thing. Come on, somebody get some faith this morning. Somebody thank God in advance. Come on, for the timing of the Lord. This last week, my, my wife and I, were excited, you know, because we, we, we got a just the right time kind of miracle this last week. And, we, you know, we had to uh, go through, you know, the, all the paperwork and we're getting our, our daughter this brand new chair. And, you know, George is five years old, getting this brand new custom chair. And, you know what, right when everything got done and everybody was so excited, at just the right time, someone sent me a text and said, I want to cover the bill for everything that the insurance didn't cover at just the right time. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm living out this word. You're living out this word at just the right time. Come on, somebody thank God today that God will show up exactly when you need it, exactly how you need it, exactly in the place that you need. It says at just the right time, Jesus showed up to become a sacrifice and stand trial for your sin. And it says in the next verse, yet while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. In fact, write down number two. When you are at your worst, God is still at his best. In your work, wait a second. So you're saying that Jesus didn't wipe away my sin and forgive me and love me when I came to the building and started to know the Hillsong songs? Are you saying that Jesus loved me before I downloaded the PushPay app? Are you for real? Yet while we were still sinners, when I was in my worst state, he was in his best place. When I was broken and depressed, when I was addicted, when I was, when I was losing my mind, when I was rebellious and dis disobedient, when I was in that place, yet while I was still a sinner, Christ Jesus, this is grace. Grace meets you where you are. Religion says, get your act together. Religion says, you got to get all cleaned up and fancy and know a few Christian words and get all church on. No, no. Grace says, I'll meet you in your brokenness. I'll meet you in your suffering. I'll meet you in your pain. I will show up. You don't have to act any different than you are. I, I exp I'm an expert at saving sinners. I'm an expert at meeting people where they are. Let me bring a word of encouragement to you today. You don't have to fake it with God. You don't have to act like anything you're not. You don't have to play church games with Jesus. Jesus Jesus came to save sinners. He is an expert at getting into the nitty gritty and the dirtiness of our world. He will cleanse us and help us because God does not deal with religion. God deals with relationship and he asked that you would come in a real and a pure and a sincere way. Yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is grace. Grace as you stand there on the stand and you know how guilty you are and you know what you, I remember, I just, it's a traffic violation and I'm thinking about every bad thing I've ever done. I'm like, oh gosh, here I go. And I, you, you, we stand guilty before God. We stand guilty. And Jesus says, you stay sitting right there. I will take the stand. I'll take the punishment. I'll take the shame. I'll take your sinful nature. I'll take your brokenness. I'll take your disobedience. I will take all of your shame, all of your condemnation, all of your guilt. I am thankful today. Yet while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. When I was at my worst, he was at his best. You know, that's true then, but it's still true today. When you're at your worst, do you know the worst version of you? The hangry version of you? 
The worst. My wife said, oh, no. <laughs> Got an amen. Um, but when you were at your worst version of yourself, Jesus today still, he's at his best. He's so loving. He's so gracious. All of us by nature, by our human nature, when someone's in their worst, we, oh, gosh, we got to stay so-and-so. Whoa, so-and-so is doing really bad right now. Let's just, let's let them process. Let's keep a distance. Oh, wow, they are, they're saying bad words, doing bad things, acting in bad behavior. Whoa, let's keep our distance from that guy. Jesus comes. He's like, I'm right here. You're at your worst. Don't worry. I'll be at my best. I'll love you. I'll pursue you. I'll help you. I'll aid you. I'll rescue you. I'll reconcile you. Our God, this is grace. He comes when you are at your worst. Even then to now, he's still at his best. I, I went to a, um, we, we have a, a person in our church that, that does films. And this last week, she, she was releasing a, a film that she had been working on for a year and a half. So to support, you know, I, I went to stop by this, this uh, celebration. And so when I got to the celebration, I was really excited. And, you know, I was ready to celebrate this person. Our church is really faithful. And we love her so much, my wife and I. And so we went to go celebrate. And, and I got to the, to the place. I went straight from the Dream Team meeting just to come to this, you know, this, this gathering. And so I walk up and there's all kinds of lines of people and security. And so I walk Walk up and some lady with the headsets, you know, got the, the, the name of uh, the list of names. And so I walk up and I say my name. And as soon as she's looking for my name, she sees it. And the guy says, you can't come in like that. I was like, say what? He's like, you. And I started looking around. I'm like, wow, everybody's like in dresses and suits and dressed up. And I'm in my Fairfax hoodie. <laughs> and the guy, the guy looked at me. He said, you can't come in like that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like I, I didn't have a rebuttal. I wasn't like. Yes, I can. I don't even know the rules. Nobody told me to dress up. So I was like, um, I was like, okay, um, if, I, if I put a jacket on, is that? He's like, yeah, you need a jacket at least. At least put a jacket on. I was like, all right, thank God in my trunk I have a jacket. So I go, I take off my Fairfax hoodie. I put on a jacket. I put on a jacket. I come back, and I was like, all right. And I'm like, I've never, like, I'm from Seattle, people. I don't know this world. So, so I rock up to the door, and I was like, can I come in now? And, and, and the guy looked at me. He's like, you got to take off your hat. And I was like, are you for real? Like, I got to take off my hat. He's like, nah, just playing. You can come in now. So I, walk, I was for sure the worst dressed person at this party. Like everybody else was dressed to the nines. Your boy was straight from the dream team meeting. But, but I, I just, I love that God doesn't make us dress up. God doesn't make us get right. God doesn't make us get our act together. And then he's going, oh, okay, now you can come to church. Now I can bless your life. Now I can take care of you. No, when you're in your worst, he is showering you with grace. He is showering you with blessing. He is showering you with love. He is showering you with forgiveness. Come on, somebody, thank God. When you didn't have the outfit right and you didn't have your world right, Jesus was faithful. Come on, somebody give him a little bit of praise. If you're grateful, in your worst, he's still at his best. I'm grateful for it. He says, you know what? At just the right time, grace showed up. Yet while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. And now he is saying, because he died for us, when we put our faith in him, now we are justified. We are justified by our faith in Jesus. In fact, write down number three. I am justified by Jesus. Oh, this is a court. This is a law term. This is courtroom. Justification. Ju to be declared justified biblically means that I have a divine status. That it literally means when I've been justified, I am literally just as if I never did it. 
To be justified means to be in right standing with God. Justified and righteousness are synonymous. You can almost take out the word justification and replace it with the word righteousness. Because now in my faith in Jesus, I have literally, the, the, the judge has dropped the gavel. He has declared you and I are good. You and I are fine. Case closed, court dismissed. You can walk away. You're good with me. Because grace stood trial and grace paid the price. You and I, you are justified because of your belief in who this son is. Come on, somebody thank God today that I've been justified not by my merit, not by my morals, not by my do-goodism, not by my religious activity, not by my tithe, not by my behavior, not by how good I do, not by my life, but by his life. Somebody thank God this morning that you have been justified by the blood of the lamb. I'm justified by Jesus. I'm justified by Jesus. My faith in Jesus has justified my life. Now, this is very important that you understand that the case has been closed and the court has been dismissed. You have been acquitted of all your guilt and shame because somebody took your place. Somebody stood in trial, stood in line and says, no, 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 no. Don't you, you put all of the debt on my credit card. You put all the sin and shame on my life. When Jesus hung on the cross and died a brutal death, it was so that you don't have to face guilt. You don't have to face shame. You don't have to face condemnation. Come on, your sins have been washed away. You are now justified by faith in Christ. You're not justified by actions. You're not justified by morals. You're not justified by the law. You fell short of the law. Jesus, he knew that he had to be a sacrifice because you and I, no matter how hard we tried, no matter how hard we worked, we could never fulfill the law's demand. The law was too big. The law was too great. We would all fall short of the law. The law was in place. You and I, all we could do was break the law. All the law could do in our life, it would never lead us to life. It would only point out how bad you are. It would only point out how sin you are. It would only point out how gross you are, how vile, how grotesque, how evil you are. But you and I, we have been delivered by, from the law because we are now in grace because Jesus fulfilled all of the law. He fulfilled all of the prophets. He became our sin and shame. So you and I are now justified and made right before the judge. This is awesome. This is grace. This is the gospel. This is the good news. I'm justified by my belief in Jesus. So I'm justified by Jesus. And now, furthermore, Paul continues. If I, can I go a little further? Paul now says, you and I, we're not just justified. We're made righteous. Now, this is very important. And I want to differentiate between imparted righteousness and imputed righteousness. Imparted righteousness means that you are actually becoming. God will make you righteous. You're in the process. I have to go to church. I have to kneel. I have to sit. I have to say this. I have to do that because I'm going to become righteous. Jesus did not impart righteousness. He imputed righteousness. Now his righteousness has been literally placed in my life. I'm not becoming righteous. Come on, church. I am righteous. I've been declared righteous. I'm standing before the judge. I have been made right. I'm not going to get right. I am right. I'm standing as the righteousness. Now watch here very carefully. And you can write down because point three and four are so similar. Just write this, write this declaration down. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am, I am, I'm not going to be, I'm not aspiring, I'm not hoping to be, I'm not going to get my life together and become, I am. This is who I am. This is my identity. This is my security. This is my declaration. This is my faith. This is my theology. I am, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Very important that we use the word Lord. Very important that we use the word Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in who? In Christ Jesus are what? Very important that we do not skip over the word Lord because Lord means master. Lord is who he is in our world. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Watch here what the Bible teaches us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21. It says, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. So that in Christ, in Jesus, I just want to encourage you. You can never get more righteous than you are today. In fact, you are as righteous as Jesus. When God looks at you, he doesn't even see you because he sees his son. The Bible says your life has been hidden in Christ. The other day, I was, um, I, was, I was trying to find, you ever lose, I don't know why we are this family, but we are a family of four remote controls. Does this drive you crazy? Why do we have four? I want one, we got four. We have one for the sound, one for the TV. We have one for the digital TV and one for the Apple TV. So this is a four remote. So when you have a one-year-old, there is for sure going to be two of the four missing. So anytime I go to watch TV in my house, I have to at least look for two of the four. So I first gathered the first two. Okay, these check, you know, got these ones. Now let's look for the next two. The other day I was looking for, for the main TV remote and I found it in a whole nother room. It was hidden between two toys. I'm like, did this young man try and hide my TV remote? Did he literally just go like, I know how I'm going to get my dad super duper angry. And it was hidden in between between two toys. Can I just encourage you today? Your life has been hidden in Christ. God, when he looks at you, he doesn't see your guilt. He doesn't see your shame. He literally sees the sacrifice of his son. He sees your righteousness. You are as righteous as Jesus because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I have been justified in my divine status, declared right, and now I have imputed righteousness, which literally declares to me I am the righteousness of God. Now, let me just paint a picture. You might be like, man, how does that apply on Monday? What the Bible's really teaching us is that I've been forgiven, and now I've been clothed. What do you mean? Like, forgiveness is like taking a bath and getting washed. But this righteousness is like putting on the new clothes. After you take a bath and you got on new clothes, you and I know when you got new shoes on, you don't want nobody stepping on your toes. Can I get a witness in the church? When you got new clothes on, you don't want any stain. You put the napkin in your, in your shirt. You put the napkin on your lap. You don't want to get, in other words, when you've got righteousness that you're wearing, the Bible says in Isaiah 61 verse 10, we have been clothed with robes of righteousness. When you've got the robes of righteousness on, why would I go back to sin? Why would I go back to that old life? Why would I go back to that old person? Why would I go back to that old thinking? I've been forgiven. I've been clothed. I'm living in righteousness. Come on, am I thankful today that sin cannot increase more than grace increases in your life? I've took the bath. I've got the robe. Woo! I'm feeling good now. I'm the righteousness of God. 
I'm living it. I want to encourage you. The next time you're sinning, the next time you're looking at something you shouldn't look at, doing something you shouldn't be doing, the next time you're in the fit of rage, in the fit of your mess, I want you to say this over your life. I am the righteousness of God. Just confess it over your life. Watch how it just it shifts your sin. It shifts your life. Just confess it. The next time you're in the midst of, 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 of this, that, or the other, fill in the blank for your sin pattern. And you're just in the middle of it, just say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You wake up tomorrow morning, on Monday morning, grab a cup of coffee and say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You will never become more righteous than you are today and you are tomorrow because you are made justified and right by Jesus. He stood trial for you because of grace. So let me just... Let me just end with the last thought I want to give you. We skipped down to verse 20 and 21. We read it. But let me just encourage you and liberate our church from some condemnation today. Write down the last point, point number five today. Your sin is not greater than your God. <laughs> your sin, worship team, you can come join me. Your sin is not greater than your God. In fact, Paul here in Romans, we're going to talk about it. In the coming weeks, Paul says, now that I've been justified and made righteous. It's one of my favorite parts, Romans 6. He says, count yourself as dead to sin and alive to Christ. Put away the former things, the old you, the old life, who you used to be. The one that stood on trial like, oh gosh, oh man, oh, oh boy, oh man, whoa, this is going to be bad. Jesus stepped in and said, no, 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 no. I got it. Put it on my card. Put it on my account. I paid the price so that this person right here could be justified and made righteous. Your sin is not bigger than your God. Stop convincing yourself that because you sin, it's nullifying grace. Grace has increased far greater than your sin. Your sin pales in comparison to the power of grace in your life. The Bible says, what shall we say then? Shall we just keep sinning so that, sin, so that grace can abound? Absolutely not. We are not just going to live our lives going like, well, grace is just going to increase and grace is going to set me free and grace has got the bill and grace is good so I can go live however I want and say whatever I want and do whatever I want. No, no, no. The Bible says in Titus that the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness. Grace is a empower. Grace is a teacher. Grace doesn't leave you out the courtroom and stay in the courtroom. Grace walks you out down the aisle, gets in the car with you, goes back to your house with you, and begins to teach you how to live a righteous life so you don't have to get, keep washed over and over again. But righteousness will literally teach you how to overcome sin. Sin is powerless to your world when you declare the righteousness you're living in. Sin has no more reign over you. Now we're going to deal with sin the rest of our life. Sin, we are sinful creatures. We are born into sin. I can't help myself. Paul says in the same book, I don't understand myself. Why is it the things that I want to do, I don't do them. And the things that I hate to do, that's what I do. I don't understand this life, God. But nevertheless, he is reminding himself, though this war may be happening, I can still stand in the power of righteousness because grace is stronger than sin. That's why the Bible says, death, where art thou sin? There's sting. Because sin cannot reign over you when you've been justified by faith and you've been declared righteous before the throne. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but I felt like telling our church, please hear me. Grace stood trial. Grace stood in our place so we could be justified, 
We could be receiving imputed righteousness, and we can live our lives, though we may sin, we can live our lives going, I might have made a mistake, but this sin in my life is not greater than grace. Grace is abounding. Grace is increasing. Grace is taking me from strength to strength and glory to glory. I'm believing that this week when you make a mistake, you're going to declare it over your life. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm believing that in this, this weeks to come, as we go through the face of grace, I'm believing that grace is going to be the centerpiece. It's going to literally be the cornerstone of our community. I'm believing that at the forefront of our church, as Zoe Church, we will be marked as a grace church. We will be those that take the bath in forgiveness. We will be those that clothe ourselves in the robes of righteousness. Righteousness. Come on, somebody put your hands together and let's thank the, the face of grace for taking our shame. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you were inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.